It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Amy Piles, president at Saxon. Saxon is an integrated digital agency obsessed for good. Amy excels in solving complex problems for brands and organizations using technology, insights, and creativity. She oversees the execution of Saxon's business strategy, operational strategy, and the overall quality of services, and champions the alignment of people, business, and clients. Throughout her career, Amy has delivered data-driven strategies across industries and brands, including Walmart, Gathering Place, Walton Family Foundation, Williams, Procter & Gamble, and Anheuser-Busch. Prior to joining Saxum, she also led agency operations for WBP's Rockfish Digital. Amy Piles, welcome into the corner office. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Uh, it's great to have you here as well. And, uh, you know, we always kind of kick the podcast off with understanding a little bit about the foundation of each of our CEO guests. And tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what your early family life was like. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in um, a suburb of Oklahoma City. And, um, you know, typical middle of America um, mm. upbringing here. But um, I was raised um, by a father that um, was a executive in an engineering um, firm here yeah. and just loved getting to hear all about um, his day. We'd always debrief at dinner at six o'clock every night. Yeah. Our whole family would be there and he'd always be, you know, talking about his day. And so I always attribute just a lot of who I am to some of those um, subconscious lessons that you pick up at the dinner table, um, yeah. kind of debrief on their day and, and talk through things. Um, so that was just, you know, formative time here in Oklahoma, but, you know, personally I was in theater. I did a lot of acting and show choir and anything that was performing based. I was there for it. All and right. my <laughs> teen years hence, doing that. Hence the career in, 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 in the marketing arena. And we're going to talk a lot more about that as we get on. What about mom? Did she work from the home and what, uh, or did she have an outside career? Yeah, no, my mom was a homemaker. So mm -hmm. she was there with us, you know, head of the, the PTA and right. um, really active just in all of our kind of school life. Cool. Cool. Brothers and sisters. I did. I do have a sister. Um, yeah. She is older. Um, so she's about four years older. So I forget sometimes when I look back at my childhood that I had a sister until we were about in college when we started liking each other. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yes, yes. But she's now a, a dietitian and a, um, a stay-at-home mom with her three kids. 
Nice. Well, you mentioned about the conversations around the dinner table. And boy, I remember that too growing up. My dad was a teacher uh, and then became a principal. So of course, the always question was, well, did you spank anybody today? You know, and he hated that, but our kids always wanted to know that. What were some of the conversations you remember uh, early on with your dad? And was he talking about business or the engineering challenges he had? Yeah. You know, he was never talking about the project he was working on or anything technical in the engineering side, but he was always talking about just some of the interpersonal challenges that he was having as a leader or with a colleague and how he was processing through um, frustrations or opportunities and things like that. And so it was interesting to just hear him work through the people side of the business um, as he talked through um, what was going on at work. And um, those are the type of lessons you don't get taught in school, right. um, but you right. can really pick up on when you're sitting at a table with another leader as they're processing through it. Yeah. Cool. Any other early influencers in those uh, year, early years that inspired you, you know, coaches, uh, aunts and uncles, grandparents, teachers? Yeah. You know, um, I had a lot of, you know, choir directors and mm. um, theater directors that, Um, I discovered very early on that I really like praise. Um, And so (laughs) being able to perform and yeah, and get that positive feedback was very formative to me as I learned, you know, what type of things got me the praise that I seeked and um, Hmm. got me the recognition, got me um, kind of to move further in my, you know, theatrical career of, of high sure. school. So those things were very um, formative and I see them show up today in just what motivates me, what drives me and some of the things that I look for. Cool. Cool. Were you a good student in school? I was a good student. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I graduated as a salutatorian um, in no? high school nice. and carried that into to college as well. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. And you mentioned theater. What other types of outside activities were you involved with? Theater and church were about um, Mm -hmm. all of my activities. I tried some sports. Um, It was fun as a smaller child, but when they made you start like running and working out, um, that's when I opted out of sports. (laughs) Let me guess. You didn't like to sweat. I did not like it. And like, I liked the theater side because you're dancing and you're having fun, but just running laps and working out was not for me. What's the point, right? Yes. What about entrepreneurial activities, Amy? Any things that you did as a kid? uh, You know, did you have a paper route or sell lemonade or anything like that early on? I did not. That was not something that um, appealed to me um, early on. I have always been that person that's helping the other person with the big idea make Mm. it happen. Um, and so if it was, you know, somebody in authority, a peer that had an idea, I was the one that could plan it and make it happen more than the person that was coming up with it and doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And, uh, what about jobs? Did you have jobs once you got into junior high and high school? Yeah. My first job was a hostess at, um, a local restaurant here. Um, so I did that just for the summers. Um, and then I also worked at a theater company selling tickets for a while. And then I actually interned, um, at my dad's engineering firm, um, in their marketing department as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you went to Oklahoma state, you got a bachelor of science in marketing, no big surprise there. Did (laughs) you, did you look at any other schools or was it always kind of assumed that you'd uh, go to local university? You know, I only looked um, in state when I was going to college and I looked at, you know, a few of the different ones here in the state, but Oklahoma State, I liked the most. Um, One for its honors program, it had a really great um, facility and program to make Mm. a big university smaller, um, which appealed to me. 
and just liked the culture of Oklahoma State and wanted to stay close enough, but get a little bit of distance um, from my family as I went off to college. Got it. And uh, you went on to John Brown University for MBA. Was there a little bit of work in between or was that uh, back to back? Nope. I went back to back. So I got yeah. married um, two weeks after I graduated undergrad and my husband wow. was um, already over in Arkansas. And so I knew I wanted to get my master's. So I did that. I got married, then started the program there right away after undergrad. Awesome. And did you always kind of feel that a marketing career was where you were headed? I know that's what you studied, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, did you kind of get some impetus for that earlier on in your, you know, high school or college years? What, what kind of motivated you to, to, to go down that road? Yeah, I was always interested in business and how businesses yeah. operate, make money and, um, just function, but I also knew I had a creative bent. And so marketing seemed like the right mix to bring those two together. Um, and when I went into college, I thought I was going to go into um, theater business. So I was going to oh, get a theater right. minor and then marketing and focus straight into um, kind of theater world to bring that. Um, I discovered very quickly in college that um, that was not going to be um, for me, just looking at evenings and weekends and just kind of what that lifestyle would be like, um, that yeah. I let that turn into just a hobby instead of a career. Was that a hard decision for you, Amy? You know, by the time I made it, it wasn't, but I think, yeah. you know, as you leave your high school years and you come into college, you have an identity of yourself in high school based on your sure. activities that you're right. doing. And it takes some time to leave that behind if they were, yeah. you know, fun activities that the experiences formed you, but maybe you're not going to be a professional, you know, football player or a professional actor right. or any of these things. And so you have to go through a period of, I think, realizing that for yourself and deciding what lessons you can take from that and how can you find something that ignites you in the same yeah. way um, yeah. and channel it there. One of my children was very involved in theater in high school, and and it really was his identity. You know, the the, mm -hmm. the social experience that he had with others, uh, three or four times the plays a year. You know, I, I think I only remember ever seeing you know his friends that kind of came from that theater community. Was that kind of the same for you when you were in high school? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that was all of my my friend group, and I have a lot that right. went on and are on Broadway and are wow. doing it as a career, and so I love to cheer them on and see them live that dream. I sadly <laughs> did not have their talent. <laughs> right. No regrets. I mean, did you ever kind of feel like, gosh, I wonder if I should have moved to New York or tried out or maybe followed in some of their footsteps? No, I, I think I'm squarely where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> That's awesome. So the first job out of college, who was that with? Yeah. So actually, while I was getting my master's, I mm. was doing a fellowship during the day for um, the Soderquist Center for Leadership and Ethics. Oh. And I was Cool. working as a project coordinator for them in their marketing department. But um, I also got to help um, run executive leadership retreats and sessions. And so getting to sit in the room and hear what these large executives, you know, we were in the backyard of Walmart. So we're dealing with large brands, large um, responsibilities that these executives have and got to hear them work through their leadership challenges um, how they defined their personal values and aligned them to their leadership. Um, and just absorbing that um, as your first job was pretty fantastic. Yeah, yeah, terrific. And uh, did you have any people responsibilities there or was it more of an uh, individual contributor during that first year? No, yeah, that was very much an individual contributor yeah. um, role right, at that point. Right. 
And then you went on to Rockfish, I think about seven or eight years there in total, was it not? Yeah. 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 That was a fun journey. I was employee number 25 when I joined wow. Rockfish. And when I left, we had over 250. The company That's had amazing. sold into the WPP um, world. It's now merged into VML YNR. So just got an awesome experience um, surrounded by innovators and great marketers that were taking on this new hairy digital marketing thing yeah, that people yeah. were trying to figure out and got to help pioneer with them. Well, that was very early on. Cause I think you joined in kind of the, the early yeah. late two thousands, right? 2007, 2008, somewhere around that period. And, yeah. and were there a lot of digital agencies at that time or were you guys really a forerunner? I, re I remember the name. Yeah, we were definitely yeah. a forerunner in it. Yeah. Um, Twitter had just launched. The iPhone came wow. out shortly after I joined. Yeah, and yeah. we were a team of technologists, which was a little bit different. Um, and so the technology led and we kind of added the marketing lens to it where a lot of other um, shops were bringing their marketing lens, but they didn't know how to work in the technology, how to build the technology, how to actually bring ideas to life. And so we mm -hmm. had that foundation um, and then layered on additional strategy and um user experience and all these other skills that started to come to fruition within the digital age um, yeah. and built out that entire kind of capability, which was really, like I said, it was just a fantastic experience and just wonderful people there. Super cool. And I assume that was probably the place where you first started managing people. And what role was that? Yes. I started um, managing people as a director of client service. Um, gosh, I was probably all of 23 years old. <laughs> and everybody was older than me and everybody had more experience than me. Wow. Um, and so that was a, a challenging experience to be confident as a young leader um, mm. and not really know what my role was as a leader yet or as a manager. Um, made lots of mistakes as I, as I started managing people um, until I figured out that you don't have to pretend to know it all. Mm. Did you remember some of those uh, dinner conversations with dad when he talked about some of the interpersonal challenges yes. he had on the job? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What were some of those early leadership lessons that you took away from that first role? You know, it was learning how to um, drive accountability um, mm. when you weren't directly working on a project with somebody was one of the first lessons. Um, and also when you had amazing people, I think when I was a young leader, I felt like to add value, I had to critique something and that right. that was the way you added value as a leader was giving mm. them advice and posturing a little bit, um, which is an absolute mistake. Um, yeah. And so I think that was a lesson I had. I remember having just a fantastic employee and feeling like I needed to try and find something to add value to this person to by help critiquing them. With them. It. Yeah, right, yeah, but right. really they were just an awesome employee and needed help clearing things out of their way so that they could do awesome work. Mm. Um, and yeah. so I think that was... A, one of my harder lessons as a young leader is to figure out where you actually add value as a leader and where you don't. Yeah. Did you develop any mentors along the way? Absolutely. I've, you know, I've been lucky to have quite a few different mentors that mm. have helped develop me at pivotal points in my career. Um, my first mentor was very much focused on helping me find my voice um, as a mm. young leader and how to be confident in that, when to speak up, in the company and just helped me feel confident in my role. Um, and then as she left the company, I moved into our, our CFO at Rockfish and she was wonderful at helping me understand the entire business. 
Yeah. So how to put yeah. all the pieces together, how to understand how we make money, but also balance that with investing in the people and investing in clients because all of that um, is what grows the company. And so she helped me develop that well-rounded perspective um, as a leader. And then, you know, my current mentors here at, at Saxum have been the best at helping me um, grow in my people leadership and mm. understanding empathy and leading through all of the different personalities that we have and how to um, grow as a vulnerable and humble leader here at Saxum. So they've been fantastic yeah. at helping me with any rough edges that might have been there. Have most of your mentors been women? Have you had both women and men? You know, it's definitely been a mix. I'd say that, that the mm -hmm. closest mentors I've had have been other um, women leaders um, that right. have coached me, but I definitely have had um, numerous um, men that have been important parts of developing my journey and um, my perspective as I've grown. Right. Well, it sounds like you've had some good mentors, but you know, there's always a, a few tormentors along the way as well. And <laughs> I'd want you to mention any names, but you know, was there any behavior or things that you saw in others that said, whoa, there's a lesson there. I never want to be like that. And so can you share some of that with us? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think I've been very lucky in that I have not had any terrible bosses or somebody that I just could not work for, um, except for a short stint that I left Rockfish for a three-month stint to try a different company. Um, and I knew I wasn't going to stay here very quickly. And it all came down to the ethics of the leader um, mm. and being asked to um, tell clients things that weren't necessarily truthful or mm. um, how they were choosing to lead the company in a way that was very clearly going to run the company out of business. So for me, it was mm -hmm. a, a very clear decision of this is not a yeah. place for me when yeah. there's kind of ethics and um, continuity issues in the company. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a no brainer. You know, in the recruiting mm -hmm. world, I have to tell you so many times will, when you see short stays on resumes, people will say, well, you know, I, really just didn't agree with some of the decisions. And, you know, I have a lot of fortitude in, in belief in folks that, you know, have that moral compass. You know, I think that's a very important part about progressing. You've got to be able to say, you know what, I, you know, I'm not the boss, I'm not the owner here, but if I don't agree ethically with what's going on, I'm, I'm best not to stay around. Absolutely. And, uh, it's, it's a hard decision to make sometimes, but uh, it's, it's always a good one. So, so tell us a little bit about how you made that transition. Gosh, you were there, as you said, in a short break, but you were there about seven, eight mm -hmm. years. Um, was it tough to leave them and, and join Saxon? Because you didn't come in as president, right? You came in a, in an SVP role, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, correct. Correct. You know, um, it was hard because, like I said, there were great people there and I loved my time there. Um, but at the point when Saxum actually recruited me away, I was working part-time for them um, remotely okay. in Oklahoma. Um, I had two little bitty kiddos and took oh, a step back for a short stint yeah. um, as they were very young. And I was about ready to kind of come back um, full-time and, and jump back in as we had gotten our family rhythm figured out. And it it was just kind of an, a right time and an opportunity to expand um, my experience beyond just digital marketing. Saxon's an integrated communications company, so it ex I knew it would expose me to public relations, to advertising, to more realms in marketing than what I'd had a chance um, to work on at Rockfish, and also an opportunity to come in um, to a smaller agency again and contribute and help 
um, shape the digital team to shape some of our offerings and um, be influential in the vision of the company, which was most appealing to me. Yeah. Yeah. We mentioned in your bio that uh, I guess the company's mantra is obsessed for good. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's you don't see that a lot. Right. Particularly in you know marketing agencies where people can have their reputation, as you said before, ethically bending the rules a little bit, yeah. maybe misrepresenting things. Where does that come from? What's what's kind of the foundation of that uh, that mantra, that credo? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can say it authentically comes from our DNA um, mm. that we are a company that cares about our people very deeply. We have um, a founder and owner that is very people centric um, and has always been and always led with with that um, focus first and foremost within within the company. But also we we want to work on things that are making a positive impact on the world. Hmm. There are a lot of really talented marketers and creatives that want to bring their skills and their passions to things that are making a difference. And that doesn't necessarily mean everything is, you know, a nonprofit. We're helping businesses that are trying to balance that purpose and profit. And how can we um, assist and help be a catalyst for all of the meaningful and measurable change that businesses can make in the world and help them tell that story, mm. help their brands come to life, help their customers understand it, their employees, and just bring our expertise in communication and in reaching audiences to help um, those type of businesses and causes grow. Yeah. Yeah. Real social consciousness, it sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and tell us a bit about the organization. You know, how big are you offices, you know, clients that you serve, you know, obviously nothing confidential, but yeah, <laughs> we're keen to absolutely. know more about Saxon. Yeah. So Saxon um, is an integrated um, agency and we were founded about 19 years ago. Mm. Um, we are headquartered here in Oklahoma city, but we have employees all over, um, the U S we definitely pivoted during COVID and we now have a 50% remote community, um, which allows us just to access talent and expertise anywhere, um, yeah. in the U S and service clients also across the country. We have about 50 employees, um, full-time, and then we have an extension of really great, um, partners and contract network that we're able to plug in experts for, exact client needs um, as they pop up. And we service clients in a, in a variety of different industries. Um, we work a lot in energy. So a lot mm. of the companies that are working through the energy transition um, do stakeholder engagement as they're building projects um, in different communities. And how are we helping them facilitate uh, communications with those communities? How are we helping them tell their authentic brand story? Um, across the board as well. And then as well as all the marketing services um, within energy services as well. Yeah. We also do um, some B2C work um, here in Oklahoma and also have a really strong PR and public affairs um, practice here, especially in the state of Oklahoma, but as well as um, outside of the state in helping people reach Oklahomans. We do a lot with the, um, the state of Oklahoma here as well um, across their various agencies. Cool. Cool. You know, uh, you, you mentioned two sectors that, you know, I know in our practice and executive recruiting, you, you typically f tend to find very deep rooted behaviors, energy and government, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, the, and I'm not talking about renewable energy, but kind of old style oil companies, et cetera. And of course, government bureaucracies. And yet you guys are known for digital transformation. How do you kind of make that work in an organization that maybe doesn't even know what that means? Yeah. 
we work with clients first and foremost that are ready for it. Um, so we have a good, you know, screening process just to understand if it's going to be a good fit um, right. for Saxum. But we also want to help companies that are overwhelmed with that. Um, and that's a lot of these organizations. It's um, yeah. scary and it's overwhelming to figure out how do I leverage all of these digital tools and how do I modernize my communications and my marketing? And maybe that's been something that hasn't been invested in um, sure. within the organization. Right. So we help walk them through how do we, you know, crawl before we run? How right, do we make right. progress um, to do that in a way that's um, hopefully not as overwhelming as they feel like it would be if they're by themselves? You know, we've been there, we've done that. So we're there to kind of guide them through that process. Kind of have to do a digital transformation 101 class, I suppose. Absolutely. With, you know, a lot of perhaps, you know, not necessarily more senior folks, right, that maybe have not been displayed. I mean, I, I grew up in Procter & Gamble and brand management. There were three mm -hmm. television channels, right? You know, it's just <laughs> such a different media world today and just getting your your mind wrapped around how you reach folks. Uh, so that's got to be terrific. And, and you know, you folks uh, also have, you know, as I understand it, great, you know, operational, you know, competency and, and you know, you folks, you know, really do a lot of development of your people. How, how do you kind of make that work? Is there, you know, inside training programs? Do you folks, you know, have, uh, you know, kind of bigger brothers and sisters that work with people? How do you kind of continue to increase your own operational efficiency? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when COVID hit, we um, used that as a big opportunity to train our team, um, especially right. in just how are we continuing their digital skills. So we did a big um, company-wide, like down to our CFO, we're learning digital marketing tools. Um, so yeah. everybody went through that together and we took that as a critical opportunity to invest in our talents um, skills. We also spend um, a lot of time working through the leadership development side, mm. because I mm. think that the the competency skills um, can be caught and they can be taught and they can be um, worked on along the way. The leadership skills um, are where we're even more intentional um, mm. because at the end of the day, we are a group of people that are bringing ideas together and how we work together, it's what drives value for our clients yeah. and how effective yeah. we can be at communicating that with our clients. So we have a fantastic partner in Giant Worldwide Oh. that um, we use their kind of program and methodology yeah. Yeah. to every month. Um, we have core groups that meet and we have internal Sherpas that talk through personality differences. We have a whole toolkit that gives us common language to work through conflict awesome. or yeah. understand each other. And so that's been really powerful for us to help people grow, again, not just in their hard skills, but really those soft skills that make a difference in ideas actually being sold in, being understood and resonating with clients and internally. Yeah. So important. How has your leadership style uh, evolved over time, Amy? Oh goodness. I feel like it's evolving every day. <laughs> <laughs> Some days more than others, I assume. <laughs> yes. You know, I've always been a very decisive leader um, mm. in that, you know, we're going to move fast. If people are struggling to make a decision, I will make it so that we don't get stuck. Um, but I would say what I have learned over the years is um, the the good and the bad of that and how to balance um, that right. in your style of sometimes you have to slow down to speed up, um, how to bring people along more so that it's not just plowing through. 
um, and really helping people understand the why. Um, so I'd say I've evolved the most in um, my time here at Saxum and just learning how to understand others, how to communicate more effectively to what matters um, to each person individually and how to shape change instead of just plow through and force change. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about, you know, in your early days of management, you had a real high achiever and, you know, we're looking for ways to add value and perhaps felt that you might've been throwing up obstacles. How do you decide if it's time to micromanage someone or, or stay out of their sandbox? Yeah. You know, most of the time it's never right to micromanage. Um, and I think my style is much more ask questions for help to help them understand where they might be missing a mm. perspective. Um, yeah. And so I think the more you approach it that way to help them think through things themselves, the better they're going to lead and be able to grow. Having said that, I think recognizing when your team member is overwhelmed or um, maybe in over their head. So sometimes a team member wants to take right. something on, but they haven't been there enough. Support is coming alongside them and helping um, sure. and showing them how to do it. But I think you have to be intentional and mm. communicate why you're doing that. Um, and I'd like to say I do that perfectly every time, but I'm sure if any of my team listens to this, they will quickly tell me that. I that <laughs> oh, I'm um, sure they have nothing but good things to say. <laughs> yes. But I think that's the important step of why yeah. are you stepping in? Help right. them see, hey, I think you need help here, here, and here. So I'm going to show you how to do this, or I'm going to help you do this. And then I'm going to step back out um, and let you kind of run with it. So I think intentionality is the key there. What's, what do you think is most unusual or perhaps unique about uh, Saxon's culture? I think it is our commitment to those type of conversations. Um, yeah. You know, one of our key values is brave. And we talk about that a lot, mm. not just in the ideas we're bringing to our clients, but our bravery to have conversations with each other and be committed to working through the hard. Um, you don't find that in a lot of agencies. You can find a lot of ego in agencies. You can find a lot of turnover in agencies because of that, um, where we have a really great retention rate. We have employees that have been here since an intern and now, you know, are our chief client officer wow. or other members of leadership because we have a commitment, not just to the craft, but to the people. And I think that that's what makes us really unique. How do you go about kind of building that culture? You know, is it a is it a daily thing? Do you have regular communications? Do you do you think about you know with new employees how you kind of set the stage because that's a pretty important thing, particularly for a company of your size. Absolutely, absolutely. We do a very intentional onboarding. Um, mm. Our chief talent officer is fantastic, and she's always thinking about this and how we um, shape the culture, how we maintain the culture. All of our leaders are, you know, trained, like I said, in that giant worldwide tools, and we yeah. really embrace that. Um, we talk about it regularly, and um, we try to model that as best as we can. It's definitely, mm. it's DNA level for us now, um, right. and I think that that's the most important part of it. And we don't get it right every day, um, and when we don't, we apologize. And I think that that's a big part of it, too, is we're, we're trying to authentically grow this culture, um, which means apologizing when we get it wrong and celebrating sure. when we get it right. Yeah, love it. What do you personally look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in and hire at Saxon? Yeah, um, I always look um, kind of for four different, the four C's as we talk about it here, their um, competency and credibility. Can they do the job that we're asking mm. them to do? And then their 
chemistry and the character. Do we mm. like them? Are they going to connect? And do they have um, trustworthy character that will help them kind of fit into the culture? And so those are four lenses that I look at um, mm. as we interview everybody to balance, do I like you, but also can you do the job? Because we need all of that together. Now, you typically would have others that would interview those people before you do. Um, yes. Certainly, even with direct reports, you've got folks that, you know, their colleagues they're going to work with. Do you have kind of a favorite interview question? You know, how, how do you get at that? Oh, I've got a lot of favorite ones. Um, my, <laughs> my current one that I really like to hear is, you know, if you joined Saxum six months from now, what would make you wake up and realize it was a mistake? Hmm. Um, it helps yeah. just understand what's most important and what they're trying to, what they're afraid of. Like, what are they trying to avoid um, within that? Because we can talk through, like, is that a risk or is that not a risk? Here's what you might experience. Um, I'd rather be very candid about what they're going to experience working at Saxum um, if it's not going to be a, a good fit. Yeah, yeah. What do you like candidates to ask you about? Um. I like, I mean, I love it when they ask just about the vision of the company and um, where it's going. Um, I always think that that shows a great just kind of commitment and wanting to move forward um, across the company. Um, I also like when they ask me like for the negatives of the company, like what's going to be the challenges that I'm going to yeah, face, right. um, which signals to me that they want to be prepared for what they're walking into. Yeah, cool. I have a question for you. Okay. What is where does Saxum come from? It's not a you know a name that that you run across every day. Is it a is it a pronoun? Is it actually derived from something? What's the origins of the name of the company? Yes. So Saxum means large stone in Latin, ah, and our okay. founder is Renzi Stone, and he is very tall. Ah, and there we go. He always it. knew he was going to have a company and name it Saxum, um, and so here we are. <laughs> And is he involved in the day-to-day -day as well now or uh, pretty much lets you run the day-to-day the -day operating of the business? Yeah. You know, he has moved into a chairman of the board role. And so right. I still meet with him weekly and he's definitely active, but um, it allows him to focus on just a few other things of his interests and um, allows me and a few others to run the day-to-day -day operations. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Amy, we're just about out of time, but we always ask our guests one last question and that's what career and life advice would you give to someone who maybe has their eyes on the corner office of their own someday? Yeah. You know, I, there has been a shift in the past couple of years of what's expected, expected of executives from um, investors, from the marketplace, from employees in particular, um, around um, ESG and other um, social-oriented causes. Right. Right. And these are not things that you get taught in school, and these are not things that um, there have been courses and training and experience with. Um, and so I would say for anybody that has their eye on this today, to not just think about the competency of the business skills, but also think about the interpersonal, the social, the purpose-driven skills that are being yeah. required of executives today, to mm -hmm. read about that, to um, practice that, and to develop that side. Because um, nobody's going to teach you that, and it'll be a hard and fast on-the-job um, situations that come up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, being obsessed for good, it kind of comes back to that, doesn't it? Absolutely. Ways. Yeah. Well, Amy Piles, President Saxon, thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.go4roi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.